Welcome to Rise Radio with counselor and prevention expert Randy Havison. Recovery in various forms is something that many of us face every day. Most of us need some sort of intervention to start the process of rebuilding and reconnecting our lives. This program serves to empower you to find new ways of solving old problems. Now, here is your host, Randy Havison. Good morning and welcome to Rise Radio. Um, I am so excited to be here today. We have a great show in store for you. Uh, And in fact, I want to give them as much time as I possibly can. So we're going to get into it in a second. But the first thing I want to say is uh, I was able to see the analytics from last week's show. And I was really excited about the people who were tuning in. And I want to give a big hello to our listeners around the world in the UK and Denmark, Brazil, Spain, and I think we had a few from Italy. So welcome to the show, and uh, it's kind of nice to have that international reach, and especially for today, because the topic we're going to be discussing today is something that affects people all over the world, and uh, my my first guest, Katie Costner, is coming on to uh, talk more about this and what she's been doing. She is just such an amazing person, and, and you'll agree with me when you hear uh, where she's come from and what she's doing to be a phenomenal advocate for women around the world. So, you know what? Let's get right to it. Let me read Katie's introduction and uh, let's get her on the line and start talking. So, Katie Costner is a national expert on student safety and technology issues. She has appeared on the cover of Time Magazine, The Oprah Winfrey Show, NBC Nightly News, CNBC Talk Live, CNN, Larry King Live, Good Morning America, Later Today, MSNBC, Entertainment Tonight, and other national television programs. She is the subject of an HBO movie and has lectured at over 2,000 schools in North America. Her audiences have included the incoming classes at MIT, Brown University, West Point, the Naval Academy, Amherst College, Williams College, the top 200 officers of the Department of Defense, and the American Association of School Administrators. In 2010, the U.S. Ambassador to India invited Katie to keynote and lead a 19-day campaign in India to raise awareness about violence against women. In 2011, Ms. Costner's foundation, Take Back the Night, was chosen by the TV show The Good Wife as their charity of choice for the Celebrity Golf Tournament. So it is my honor and pleasure to invite Katie to the show. And Katie, how are you doing this morning? Hi, Randy. It is great to be here, and I'm thrilled to be a part of this discussion. I think it's such, as you said, a really critical issue affecting lots and lots of people beyond just college students. So um, Mm -hmm. I think we have a lot of work to do, and I'm really excited to share kind of that vision with all of your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, let's do a little background first on what it is that started your journey on this path. Um, I, I know your story, but but let's uh, fill the listeners in on on uh, how you got here. Absolutely, thanks, Randy, for the opportunity. I think you know whether you all are listening as a parent or as a young person um, on on the brink of going to high school, maybe going to college. If you're in the military, you know, no, no matter what your walk of life. I think what's true for all of us is we never can, we don't know what's going to be ahead of us exactly precisely mm-hmm. and um I was I was headed off to college I had grown up half in the south in Georgia and um had a you know good outdoor summer fun in you know stifling heat and humidity 
Um, grew up with a sister and two parents, and then my dad is an FBI agent, so we got transferred up north, and I had to lose my southern accent, and I went to um, middle school, high school up north, and I graduated from a large public high school, was really excited about going off to college and, you know, adventuring somewhere else to learn about, I was going to be a chemical engineer and double wow. major in Japanese. So I, I, was, <laughs> I was an underachiever in the academic realm, but I was really excited to just go meet new people. And I, I went to college in Virginia and at orientation, it's such a whirlwind. Like you're trying to meet a million people in two days. Um, name games are a must. Um, and I, I lived in an all women's residence hall by choice. Like there were hardly any left and I just didn't want to see any men in the early hours of the morning. And one night our floor had a mixer and we invited all these guys over from another building and we watched a movie. And I remember so well, like sitting there, scanning around the room, checking out all the guys, you know, not that I was inappropriately shallow, but probably at the moment. <laughs> And I you were a freshman. You're allowed. And he was so handsome, and he struck my fancy. And I saw him in the cafeteria a few days later, and we started a conversation <laughs> by the trash can of all places. And he was um, he was funny. He was entertaining. He was talented. He could play the piano. He could play a great game of soccer. And we started hanging out. And a week later, he asked me out for like officially go out for dinner, not like go to the cafeteria and dine um, mm -hmm. off campus. And I went with him and he was still nice. And I don't think I was paying good attention to any warning signs of him not being respectful. But the really unfortunate awful thing that happened was later that night after dinner, we went back to my residence hall and I, I did not want to have sex with him. I just, I was not ready. I'd never done that before. I was waiting um, until I was married and he didn't want to listen. And I didn't carry around like mace armed and ready to like mace my date. And I didn't have, no one ever told me that you know, be careful of the guy who you go out to dinner with and buys you fancy champagne. So I, I was really unprepared, and I I didn't know what to do. I was, like, paralyzed with this awful thing that happened. Um, and that is what started my life. Like, it was so jarring, Randy, and it was so yeah. uh, upsetting that someone would treat anyone else with such disrespect, I, I, it became my goal. Like, no one should ever have to go through that. So everything I did after that you read in my intro, like, that, those are things that I just did because I felt like someone has to do it, and no one had done it before me. No one had ever seen it. Yeah, because what ever. year is this? What year are we talking? I'm ancient. <laughs> I, it was no. <laughs> 1990. It was so long uh, ago. Like, half the right, people weren't even born, before... but... Right, um, and most people yeah, weren't even talking ago, about that issue. Before my case, there was only stranger rape. That's all people right. knew about. Yep. So, you know, I, I read part of your uh, bio online also to get more of the story. And, I, you know, again, I want to commend you for your bravery and your courage of stepping forward. But it blew me away when I heard what some of the responses were from administrators and other people. What, what were some of those? Well, I think we always hear, I, I mean, I think, again, for our listeners, like, this is he said, she said. So imagine, imagine 
you know, let's put it the other way. Like, what if someone you, you thought was a decent human being, a nice guy who was on a ball team with you or went to class with you or lived down the street from you, and some random girl says he's a rapist? I think mm-hmm. any of us would be like, no way. I know him really well. Like, he would not do that to people, mm-hmm. to anyone. And I think that's one of our problems is I, I think it's hard for us to really comprehend that this could be anyone, that we all, even me, like all of us have the potential to cross over a boundary when we hear no. And what was really tricky were lots of things at the time. Some of them are still true. Like people said, I don't believe you or it's it's your fault. Even if they believe me, people would say, well, it's still your fault because you let him pay for dinner or you were wearing a sexy dress, or you agreed to fool around with him, or you invited him back to your room. So there were lots of things that people said I did that made it partially my fault for, like, leading him on or confusing him. And yeah, then do you start to doubt yourself? Do you start I, to doubt I yourself? Did. Like, most everybody, you yeah. go through this, and you're like, right. oh, my gosh, what, would I, would I, what could I have done differently? How could I have avoided this situation? Um, and it's only when you kind of go solid in your soul and you're like, okay, no matter what I did, I said no. <laughs> like exactly. That, exactly. that part was not my fault. The part where he mm-hmm. crossed over the line was not my fault. And he yep. he wanted it that bad that he was willing to ignore what I what I wanted. And so that that was hard. And people did crazy things. Like you said, they they started a petition, like 2,000 students at my college signed a petition that said I was a liar out of 5,000, and wow. they would write slanderous, awful, like, slut and whore on walls and bathrooms, and one time they broke into my apartment, and I don't even know who they were. They just rearranged all my stuff, or, they, wow. you know, they did protests. They voted me the most dangerous man on campus when I was a sophomore and a junior, um, wow. and, and a million other things. But I stuck with it. <laughs> like, I just, yeah. like, no matter what you call me, no matter what you try and do to me, I, I'm going to stick by what I'm doing. See, and that's that's the main message here is that no matter what happened, you kept moving forward. And, you know, I remember when I was a counselor on college campuses and women would come to me and, and they would disclose that they were day raped or, or, you know, sexual violence in one form or another. And some would almost shrink up inside of themselves and others found this courage and this power. But I'm wondering what you could share with the listeners to help those who were maybe the victims of, of sexual violence to be able to find that courage and in, in that empowerment to seek you out or one of your organizations. What are some of the things you did and what do you think you had inside of you that you brought out in order to, to keep you moving forward? Um, thank you for asking. That's such a great question. And, you know, I think, again, I'm going to say for our listeners, whether you are a survivor yourself, whether this happened recently or a long time ago, whether it happened once or someone you know, you, a relative, it's going to be really hard. You're going to be different. And it's not it's not like I would ever tell you to forget about it. I don't want you to forget it ha- happened. I think what helped me is not forgetting, but really translating it into strength. And mm-hmm. when you can learn how to be strong, even when someone else treats you so badly, it makes you even better and more resilient at other hard things in life. So I, I would say to our listeners, um, our organization, our foundation is called Take Back the Night. 
Um, Tate Bethanite holds events and rallies and marches and yoga events, Shine Your Light Yoga. We do bike-a-thons. We do um, 5K glow-in-the-dark races. Um, you can have an event and inspire a whole town full or, or a school full, a high school or a college or a military base, and get lots of people involved and just show that this is not a crime of silence. This is not a crime we're going to hide away in the dark and, and get involved. Once you do one thing, um, I think, to help others from your own victimization, it pulls it into a place of strength. So take back the night is one. And the other thing that we're now doing is for all ages, like we were like, okay, you shouldn't have to wait till you're 18 years of age to learn about you have the right to be respected. You have the right to mm-hmm. be um, shown respect and treat others with respect. So we are also involving everyone in this campaign called Respect My Red. So if you visit respectmyred.org, um, you can learn about this campaign. And this is, you can turn a city red, you can turn a town red, you can turn a school red, you can personally go red with your red selfie um, and send it and place it up online. You can wear one of our red gear items, but it's the right to be treated like a red light, meaning you don't have to do anything. No one gets to turn you green until you want to be green. You can turn your light back and forth. You can be like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. green tonight, yep. tomorrow I'm not. <laughs> So it's yep. the idea that we're all all entitled to our own respect, and we're all entitled to um, be treated with respect. So that's our latest awesome campaign. And, you know, I think doing is healing. Doing stuff, getting involved is what helped me heal. And every survivor I've ever met in my life, the more they can do something and not just play this awful rewind in their head of mm-hmm. what happened – you know, you yep. can't, if you keep really replaying that worst nightmare, it's really hard to get through it. It's right. just that I, I want people to turn that pain into strength. One of the things that I used to say to my clients, tell me if this was something that was, that was on point, they seem to really enjoy it, is when I would say, you were the victim of a horrible crime, but in your head, you continue to be the victim. And now it's time to find ways to find that strength to move on from this. Would that be yeah, one I way to look at it? Um, I don't know. I think in your head you continue to be the victim could be heard a lot of different ways, Randy. So I would say in your head I you are the victim. You physically mm-hmm. are. Um, you can't go back and be an unvictim. But what I think we mm-hmm. can do is become survivors and we can become empowered. And mm-hmm. I, and when I say you are the victim in your head, there are moments when I still hear, feel, hear see, smell, Something comes back, and I feel all of a sudden that sense of powerlessness again. It's mm. been a long time. I've you know done lots of things to heal, but there are moments when it still stings, or it still pricks, yep. or it still makes me not make courageous choices. I yeah. hate that, <laughs> yeah. but I can't yeah. totally get rid of it. I, what I can do is pay attention to it, and mm-hmm. whenever I feel myself going that direction, I can choose to go in a different more powerful way you know like if, mm-hmm. if you know i think some people who have been victimized certain things become just like their achilles heel and yeah. you know there's something important about noticing that you have an achilles heel but then there's also all this good stuff about the rest of you is like solid armor right. um so you know that i kind of find a blend of thought is helpful and eliminating everything is probably never possible 
but mm-hmm. um, but really paying good attention to what it is that you know makes you feel vulnerable and can I can I do something about that? I would never celebrate or wallow in it and find your identity in weakness. Try always right. to find your identity in your strengths and your confidence. Mm-hmm. I think when we get Excellent. really really um, painfully hurt is when we find we find our identity, our core in our victimization. That we don't want. Exactly. That's a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. And just to let you know, you did name your websites, um, and we'll go over that again near the end. But for all the listeners out there on the RiseRadioShow.com website, um, I'm going to be setting up a resource page, and I'm going to be listing all of these different organizations and, and places where people can get help and more information. So just to let That's you know awesome, that, that we're going to keep... One more thing yeah. I was going to let our listeners know. Um, sure. The other cool thing that we also get to do with Respect My Red is we travel all of our teams travel all over the country. I travel, some of the guests you're about to hear from also travel and we speak and we share this incredible, powerful educational message with um, all kinds of communities. And we have male and female and, you know, gender identity aside, we have a whole group of us in all different ages and all different places in life. Um, and we think that's really important. I know your show is going all over the country, but so are we. We think this is a, a national, international issue is ending sexual violence. Nice. And actually, this is all over the world. So hopefully, we maybe we can Fantastic. get a few people in UK that can, that can start something over there. So that would be awesome. And another point, you mentioned this, and this is in my notes that I really wanted to bring up. This is not just a female issue. I mean, I think men can get involved with this too. I mean, for men, you know, there have been men who've been uh, the victims of sexual violence, but also, you know, I have a sister, a mother, a daughter, friends. So this is something for everybody. I mean, I wouldn't want this to happen to anybody that I know. So as a male, I'm very passionate about this topic too. And what can I do to help spread your message and the message that we need to respect each other? Awesome. And, so, you know, that, yeah. I, I'm glad you said that. You're the only other male guest we have. We do have male speakers. Um, today, none of them can join our team. But um, for the men who are listening to this, first of all, um, about one in six to one in eight men, they think, has also been the victim of sexual violence, sexual abuse, trauma um, in this regard. And men are so much less likely to come forward and report because there's even more stigma associated with being a male who's been through this. So um, the good news is for the first time, last year was the first time in history all U.S. states recognized that men could be sexual assault victims as well as Mm -hmm. women um, because rape historically was only a property crime committed against a man's property, namely a woman. So that was the history of the crime, and luckily our laws have finally just now recognized that it's not a property crime, it's a crime against your own person and your right to be respected, the right to be read, if you will. That's great. And you know what? I'll, I'll just share this. I don't really talk about this often. I've, I've definitely dealt with it. But I was a freshman in college, and there was a woman who came on to me, and I really wanted nothing to do with her. But she kept pressuring and pressuring and pressuring. And finally, she said something like, yeah, well, what are your friends going to think if you turn me down? So I ended up having wow. sex with her. Wow. Yeah. That, Randy, that's it. That's like exactly. coercion. 
And, right. and you know, if and, we had, it was a, mm-hmm. what if, if we said it the other way around, people were like, oh my gosh, that guy's such a jerk. And I think right. we should be able to say the same thing. No one should be able to like ruin someone else's reputation to get them to do something. Exactly. And I'm afterwards, I felt dirty. I felt horrible. My self-esteem just took a plummet. And I didn't, I mean, every time I would see her after that, I couldn't make eye contact with her and I felt horrible. And of course, you know, wow. I just turned to getting high over and over and over as a way that was my coping mechanism. But yeah, so it happens to men all the time because we think that we have this reputation. And if a woman come on, comes on to us, we have to say yes. But I think for men, we can have we can say respect my red just as well so absolutely randy i mean respect my red is for everyone it's for kids mm-hmm. who are want to we have a little respect my red tattoos little red porcupines <laughs> that are adorable for like little kids like you can be four or five years old and have your child thinking about they have the right to be respected and we want to instill in everybody from the get-go that that's their right That's awesome. And I know my daughter would probably love to have one of those tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. One of the charms. Yeah. So do we want to start, you know, and here's another amazing thing. You know, I am blown away by you and and what you're doing, and and I'm a huge fan of yours. But this team that you have put together, when I'm in on the conference calls and I'm hearing them and I read their bios, it's like, wow. It's like you are this beacon that's attracting such amazing people. And I can't wait to hear from them and and their stories. And then we can kind of talk about it, what everyone's doing and and how people can – get involved and, and, and move this farther even more. Perfect. Can I introduce one of our guests? Sure. Okay. So um, the first person I wanted everyone to meet, her name is Amanda Blower. And Amanda wears so many hats. And she, not only does she wear them, she wears them with style and finesse <laughs> and grace and um, somehow gets them all done. So I'm a true fan of hers. And um, she's also a survivor. Um, Amanda's background is that she attended um, a Catholic university where she also had a, um, a similar experience to mine. And she, she now has taken that and found empowerment. She's a program director at Take Back the Night. She's our curriculum director for Respect My Red. And her, and this is her part-time volunteer work. Um, she also speaks and travels all over the country, and she does amazing trainings with like football teams and uh, huge athletes. Um, and she's uh, she also works with Penn State in the Department of Residence Life. She's one of the um, assistant directors of Residence Life there. So she is um, someone who works at an educational institution um, during her regular job, and then she takes on all of these incredible other activities as well. And um, she, she just makes such a big difference with her story and um, all of her knowledge. So, Amanda, I'm so glad you could join us. I am glad that I was able to join you all as well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Amanda, it's great to have you here. So do you can you give a little bit of background on on where you came from and and where you're at now. And, you know, I think for the listeners out there to hear a variety of different stories, you know, they might relate with some of Katie's, but not others, but they might hear yours and go, oh my God, that's me. And that might be the thing. So if you wouldn't mind, could you give a little background? Yeah, sure. Um, So as Katie said, I did, I attended a uh, Catholic institution um, in Pennsylvania 
Um, that's where I started school. I did not finish there. Um, in my freshman year in October, I actually uh, was in the guys' residence hall, and we were hanging out, and um, one of the, you know, big guys on campus, it was a very small campus, so everyone sort of knew each other, but very tall, good-looking, um, very athletic, all of those things that make, you know, an 18-year-old heart like mine wound, um, was paying me some attention, and he was talking to me, getting to know me, and he actually offered me a drink, and I refused it that night, and so later on, because we have visitation hours, um, we were all outside, and he actually said, hey, do you want to go out for a walk? So I agreed to go for a walk with him, and um, unfortunately, it was at that time that I was, I, I was raped. And what I came to find out, the, the thing about my story that is a little bit different than Katie's is what I came to find out was that over the course of those first few weeks of school, he had actually assaulted multiple women. Um, I was wow. the fifth woman to have it happen to her. And on wow. campus, I was shocked that you didn't hear about it. And so it was about a week later that I actually reported it on campus. And that's when I found out that other people had been assaulted by him. And what we also came to find out was that he had, like, a progression of confidence growing. Um, So little things at first, but then, you know, his actions were getting bigger and bigger. And so two of the other girls came forward with me on campus, and he was removed from the institution. Um, For myself, I made the decision to transfer schools. Uh, and I ended up going to um, another school in Maryland where I finished uh, my undergrad. But in my time there is actually when I had met Katie. Uh, so a long time ago, huh. um, I met Katie, and I was so inspired by her story as many as you know many people are when they hear her speak. And it actually made me <laughs> think about the sort of behavior that was happening on the campus that I was currently attending, and I realized that more needed to be done and more awareness needed to happen. So I actually created a women's empowerment program on my campus, which is still in existence now, and I'm actually very excited because they're doing some reorganization and and putting more focus on the program, and I had met with them a a couple weeks ago at the beginning of the summer uh, to talk about uh, the program and where it can go. So I'm thrilled that it's still there and, and people are still utilizing it. But it yeah. changed my path drastically. Uh, I was originally a theater major mm-hmm. in school, <laughs> and I ended up yeah. actually going to graduate school for counseling, and I concentrated in college student personnel services, and now I work with college students all the time, uh, full-time, and then, as Katie said, I do a lot of other things. Um, I joke that I have three full-time jobs. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't. But when do, do you sleep? That's the thing. When yeah, do you sleep? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Here's, you, you know, know what? Here's a question. Here, here's my yeah. question. Here's this man who raped five women. They removed him from school. Were there any criminal charges at all brought yeah, towards this? Great, great, <laughs> great question. Um, so I actually, after hearing Katie speak at my undergrad, I reopened my case for criminal charges. Nice. Um, cool. And... As I say, um, when I when I tell my story, actually, the hardest part of the whole situation was hearing back from the ADA who had reviewed my case and said, I believe that this happened to you, but um, I can't prove that it happened. 
is a he said, she said case. And that was really, really difficult. But there has been, you know, I I would say that's still a challenge that, uh, unfortunately, many victims and survivors experience. But I will say that now there's so much more training for district Mm -hmm. attorneys and police officers in terms of building cases on these he said, she said cases. And more of them are going to court, which is good, which is very good. That oh, wasn't that's something that great. was happening when I was a college student. Yeah. Um, right. In fact, in Pennsylvania, there is a program that, that works with attorneys to build those cases. So that's a great, great thing that's happening. Yes. Um, and as I say, that was the hardest part because they believe it. They, they hear the story, but it's a, it's a huge challenge if it, whether or not it could pass in a court of law. And that, you know, well, you know one, one of the things that I like to say. One of the things I like to say is that we still have a long way to go, but when you look forward at how far you still have to go, it's important to look behind yeah. at how far you've already come. So oh, I, was just, is, uh, totally I was just told world. that we need to take a short little break, um, yeah. but we will be back with Katie and Amanda and the rest of her team and talk more about solutions and the programs that we're doing, that they're doing uh, right after this quick announcement. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Most of us have experienced the loss of a loved one, be it a friend or family member. There are all kinds of questions and emotional pain that we go through, but you can move on. Listen for From Morning to Morning with Rabbi Mel Glazer. It doesn't matter what faith you are, or if you even have no faith, you are sure to find meaning in Rabbi Mel's words and personal experience, as well as that of his guests. From Morning to Morning airs live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Rise Radio. To reach Randy Havison or his guest today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Randy at riseradioshow.com. Now, back to Rise Radio. Welcome back to Rise Radio, and today we are talking to Katie Costner, Amanda Blauer, and the rest of her team about a new program that they have going on called Respect My Red, and I'm so excited that that this is getting more attention, and hopefully around the world, because this is something that's desperately needed. So let's get back to Katie and Amanda, and Katie, you said you had a comment you wanted to, to add? Yeah, I think um, I, I was going to just say how am- amazing it is to me to know that, you know, one person listens to me and goes and does all of that. Think about yeah. everyone today, each and every one of our listeners, you have the power. It's in, what Amanda did is not 
undoable by anyone else. So if today's show really inspires you to try, try again, ask again, mm-hmm. go back. You may be shocked. The average rapist rapes 12 to 17 times before any justice at all is accomplished. So wow. the more we can work together to bring a voice and bring, you know, justice, I think we're going to change the whole landscape for lots of people. And if you know someone, like if someone you know you think or think went through this, um, sometimes your encouragement is all they really are waiting for. So reach mm-hmm. out and tell them they can do it. Absolutely. Good point. Really good point. Amanda, was there, I, I, I feel like I interrupted you, <laughs> and I apologize for that, but we do have business here too. But um, yeah. what you were talking about, um, he was, there were no criminal charges against him. You know, we are working more towards that. You know, unfortunately, we could probably do a whole show on what just happened up at Stanford. We won't go there. Um, maybe yeah. we can have you back and we'll talk about that as well. But, you know, we still have a long way to go, but it's so nice to see you guys shining that light to, to help people out. Now, we have some more people waiting in the wings too, don't we? We do, Randy. So I'm going to introduce another amazing presenter, person of extraordinary talent. Um, Taylor Hendrickson is from Minnesota. Um, Believe it or not, I met her in high school this past year. She was listening as I was speaking, and I wasn't even doing a whole speech. I was just doing a workshop for her peer leadership group, and I was telling them to be unelectable. (laughs) I was like, don't live your life just to please all the people all the time. Live your life to do the right thing. And Taylor was like, Mm. I don't know what happened to her, but she was sitting there, and she thought (laughs) I had something worthwhile to offer. And what's amazing is Taylor has gone on as an 18-year-old to organize with me and Amanda and a whole bunch of folks the International Summit to End Sexual Violence. So she went from average high school, well, maybe not average, but high school student to wanting to change the world and inviting Mm -hmm. people from the U.S. Secretary of State's office, from the um, Department of Education. She's fearless. So she's been able to invite and inspire national speakers and poets to come together and shout it out at the summit. And um, she's headed off to college across the pond, if you will, um, this coming year. And she's going to continue to add skill sets, hopefully, and and really rock the world. So um, Taylor, what else would you like to say about yourself? Um, Hi, thank you so much for having me on here. Um, It's great having you here, Taylor. One thing I think I want to share with all the listeners is um, that no matter your age or your background, don't be afraid to speak out and to become an activist, whether it's, um, you know, talking about sexual violence or another cause. I think one thing I was really worried about when Katie invited me to be on the Summit Planning Committee was I knew nothing. I mean, I had written Mm. a paper um, for AP Comp about sexual violence on college campuses, (laughs) but I didn't know how to organize a big international conference and how to invite people and what to say, you know, when Mm. I'm calling agents and things like that. So I think, you know, Katie says a lot, be fearless, and I think that's really true. It's going to be scary at times. You're going to be wondering, am I doing the right thing? I don't know. But I think you need to kind of get past that fear in order to make real change. And I think the change is worth more than the awkwardness or the scary phone call. So it's almost like you're not sure exactly what you can do until you do it. Exactly, yeah. 
Yeah. Just need to go out That's there and awesome. Stuff and then you'll figure it out. So you found this thing inside you. Did you did you have that growing up as a kid? I mean, did you have this thing inside of you where I want to, you know, this isn't right. I want to do something about it. Or is this something that was just sparked when you heard Katie? Um, I think I had that a bit growing up as a kid. I was mostly focused on school, though. So I was like, oh, I don't really have the time. Um, mm-hmm. But then I heard Katie's story and I was like, I can't just sit here and go back to class. Um, I need to do mm. something about this. So that's when I emailed her about, you know, just attending the summit when she graciously invited me to help plan it. Wow, that's awesome. And, you know, finding a mentor like Katie also helps, too, because it helps to give you direction. You find that's correct? Oh, yeah. In all of our yeah. webinars, Katie is giving me, you know, different life lessons, tips on how to do this and how to do that. Um, so that's been extremely helpful, and I'm just incredibly grateful. Nice. So when do you leave for college? In about a week and a half. Wow. How are you feeling about that? Um, I'm a bit nervous. I'm very excited, but of course, you know, it's a big change and, um, you know, I've been doing self-defense classes and things like that. So, um, (laughs) I'm figuring out packing and everything. I think it can be scary, but I think it's Mm -hmm. also an amazing adventure. Yeah. You know, I, I find that most worthwhile things in life have that double-edged sword of being terrifying yet so exciting. So, you know, good luck to you. I hope it goes well. And I think it's kind of cool that now you're going to have a presence over in the UK so that you can start spreading the word over there, too. That would be awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Randy, this is Katie again. And I'm hopeful yeah. that, you know, Taylor's got to get her feet wet. Obviously, the first semester can be a whirlwind. Sure. But, you know, hopefully we have already started having about 30 other countries host Take Back the Night events around the world. And we've not done one exactly where Taylor is going to be. So hopefully she'll have the um, power of friendship and leadership that will enable her to bring together a whole bunch of people in April 2017. In April 2017, um, it will be our sixth year doing 10 points of light to take back the night. So mm. on the last Thursday of April, we have a worldwide event where we have shining light of vigils and events at 10 different points around the world to kind of show support for survivors and the cause to end sexual violence. And then we've also added um, this October another point of light because April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month and October is Dating Violence or Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So mm. hopefully that will be something that Taylor feels ready for um, a little less than a year from now, but we're going to let her get her academic feet wet first. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. if, if it's okay with you, I'd like to also introduce Michelle Carroll. Would that be okay, sure. Randy? Absolutely. Go for it. Uh, thanks so much. Um, uh, so just to keep our listeners straight, I'm Katie Kessner again, and I'm the um, survivor who was on the cover of Time at age 18 just speaking out for the first time in history about being the victim of date rape. And then Amanda Blower is from Penn State, and she's on the line with us. And then we have our incredible Taylor Hendrickson, who is graduating, um, just graduated from college, high school, going off to college. And now I'd also like to introduce Michelle Carroll, who is a recent college graduate. Um, she's been out in the workplace doing good in the world for just a few years, and she has now joined the Respect My Red team, um, both with her, I think, lots of experience in this field and working with tons of college students 
um, and high school students and her own college. She was really active. Um, and she's been um, really thoughtful about how we're going to do our curriculum and um, a real, really pleased to have her. So, Michelle, can you introduce yourself next? Uh, hi, Katie, uh, and hi, Randy. Thank you for that hi, introduction. Um, I'm so excited to be here and to um, share my story and uh, my experiences with your listeners. So, um, if it's okay, Randy, I'll, I'll just launch into, um, you know, my experience as an activist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Go for it. So my story actually began um, with Take Back the Night, um, which is a really nice um, way of looking at my life. But uh, I started as a freshman at a small laboratory college in uh, Pennsylvania. And I attended my first Take Back the Night, and I sat in a room of around 30 students and maybe 25 administrators. And I looked around, and I saw that everyone who was in that room was extremely passionate and committed to eradicating sexual violence from our small community. But I just didn't see enough representation from the other um, parts of our community. So there was very little fraternity involvement. Not a single sorority was represented. Um, and the school population, which was, you know, around 2,500 students, we only had around 25 or so in the room. So I knew what I wanted to do was... Uh, to use the Take Back Tonight event as an opportunity to really educate my campus on how important this issue was. So um, I began working right away, and I found that what I was up against was this prevalent belief that even though sexual violence happened at colleges and every student I spoke to agreed, um, I could find very few students who thought that it happened in our small liberal arts college. Uh, mm. And so I knew that really was the crux of the issue, that I had to educate my campus on how sexual violence happened there as well. Not at larger schools, um, you know, in, in larger cities, but also at our small school. So to do that, I um, worked for three years uh, in my campus, um, made partnerships with a variety of organizations, including the um, various fraternities on campus, the sororities on campus, the athletics teams, um, the different student houses, um, to really put together a robust, robust education program. So that really looked like a lot of different things. Um, I tried a lot of different things because... Uh, I didn't know what would work, uh, and I found that art projects, public art projects were successful, documentary showings, uh, panels with uh, community organizers, as well as, you know, big names in the anti-sexual violence movement brought in a lot of interest. Uh, but I also started looking at expanding our budget, bringing in national speakers, um, and really trying to tie the work that I was doing at my small campus with what was happening nationally. Uh, I was a student. Nice during what I call the first wave of this collegiate sexual assault awareness. So, um, you know, I was still in college when Angie Epifano's um, seminal essay in Amherst's uh, school paper came out where she discussed her absolutely horrific treatment um, by the hands of Amherst uh, administrators in regards to her sexual assault. So I brought her to campus to share her story, um, and nice. I also brought in Kayla Harrison, who actually won a gold medal uh, this week for uh, judo in Rio. Really? We're super proud of her. But she came and talked about um, her experience um, as a survivor 
uh, and wow. as an athlete, um, a world-class athlete. So I was able to reach a lot of different students on campus, and by the time I graduated, um, had really transformed Take Back the Night into a different event. And when I graduated, I thought, okay, that's it. Um, I'm done now. <laughs> There's nothing left for me <laughs> sure. to do. I've, I've achieved what I wanted. Um, but that's just certainly not the case. So uh, after college, I worked with Teach for America, and then I worked in uh, political consulting. And while I was doing that, I realized I still had a story inside of me. And so I started writing, and I uh, began to build an online community for uh, activists, feminist activists in New York City and New York State to connect and um, share their successes. And I'm thrilled uh, to also be working with the New York State Coalition Against Sexual Assault on their campus mm. issues. And so I found, um, I guess, my, my place in this world as a professional activist. And I'm, I'm thrilled to, to speak with you and, and hopefully share what I've learned. Wow. You know, I, I just love these stories. And, and the thing that I think ties it all together is that, you know, find that thing that you're passionate about, that you really care about. And there are so many ways that you can make a difference. And I always believe that it's better to say something than to say nothing and, and find your voice and find a way to get in there, whether you're on stage or part of the, the stage crew, you know, find a way to get in there and, and, and do something and make a difference. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, I also think a really important part of being a successful activist is while you're using your voice, also taking the um, appropriate amount of time to listen. Uh, I find that it's so easy to become, you know, completely driven by what you're doing and focused on what mm. you're doing and not taking the time to listen to what other activists um, and experts in the field are talking about. Um, for example, when I was working in college, um, I had a really heteronormative view of what sexual assault looked like. Um, in all of my talks and all of my speeches, I described sexual violence as something that, you know, a man was a perpetrator and the woman was the victim. And very rarely did I deviate from that type of narrative. And I regret that bitterly. Um, and I regret that because as I've continued to um, to work in in this movement and also to learn from from other people, um, I've I've come to realize that there are so many intersections when we're talking mm -hmm. about sexual violence that um, it goes beyond just this this heteronormative gender lens. We need to really be talking about how sexual violence affects our LGBTQ brothers and sisters on college campuses. We need mm -hmm. to be talking about, um, you know, the epidemic of, of sexual violence that trans college students experience. And we really need to be talking about how racism and homophobia and, and sexism um, uh, continue to, to fuel rape culture and the, the prevalence of sexual violence on our campuses. So, mm -hmm. I feel very lucky that I, you know, have had you know, almost 10 years of, of involvement in this work and have had the space to really push myself to make sure that I'm incorporating all the voices that need to be heard in this movement um, rather than, you know, just, just focusing on what I want to be doing. That's great. And I find that the more you let yourself be open to being educated about this, the more you can see other ways to make a difference. But it's about chipping Absolutely. away. You know, it's like sometimes we look for these major changes to happen all at once. But, you know, Katie, of, of everyone here, you've been doing this the longest. And you see that the changes happen in little tiny chips a little bit at a time. 
But do you feel like we've made some good headway? I mean, I'd like to hear from all of you. Um, do you feel like we've we've come along? I feel like we've come a long way. But do you feel like we've come a long way? I know we still have a long way to go. But what are your thoughts on that? Um, Randy, I definitely think we do. I mean, you have multiple generations of us on this call, and we're great mm-hmm. examples of, you know, where where we've moved the conversation and what kinds of things can inspire change in others. And I think the only um, glaring thing that's opposite, uh, um, the only big picture item, we don't have a, another man on this call besides you. Um, so yeah. we really need to build that bridge next and find ways to help men do more than just take some photo ops for a campaign <laughs> as mm-hmm. uh, famous football players or actors. I think we need to have men engaged in examining masculinity and their own um, understandings of what it takes to be a successful man in romantic situations as a, mm-hmm. a role model for other men and what power and strength really are all about. You know, what, what, what does that mean to them? Um, and what do they feel pressured to do that they wouldn't want to do? And you, you gave us such a great example of your own personal experience in college. So, mm-hmm. yes, we've come a long, long way. Um, next step, step that needs to happen. So here's my message to our, our listeners. Like, I don't know what your gender is. Like, we can't see you. We can't you know, see how old you are, what your race, religion, sexual orientation, none of it. We don't know. But what I'm, I'm guessing about all of us is that we all know men. And sometimes mm-hmm. yeah. we may not have challenged them enough. Maybe we're afraid of disappointing them. Maybe we're afraid we got the golden guy of our dreams and, you know, he just wouldn't, he wouldn't, we could lose them. Like, how frightening is it to think I could lose this guy if I bring this issue up with him? Like, that's awful. Mm. Don't be afraid yeah. to speak up. Don't, I think like, you know, I like Taylor because she is, I think she is the boyfriend still, but she was like, oh, he can do his own thing. Like, I love that. Like, we should say, you can be strong, you can be sexually aggressive. You can, aggressive doesn't mean that you don't respect consent. You can be assertive, mm-hmm. you can be aggressive, you can, like, want sex. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. all of those things are the next level of conversation where we need to go. So, Fearlessness, yes, um, more of it. Maybe we could ask Taylor, what does she think her generation needs to get more involved? Um, I think my generation, I think there is a lot of talk and there's a lot of outrage. I saw so many people, I mean, absolutely just livid at what happened at Stanford, but we talk a lot and we have a lot in social media, but then we don't do anything. So I think mm. it's just taking that next step and, you know, contacting the people that maybe run, you know, a local Take Back the Night, see how you can get involved in that, you know, getting involved in different campus groups. Um, so I think there is talk, and I've had wonderful conversations with, you know, people my age um, about sexual violence and about the work I've been doing, and they're all interested and supportive, but they need to just figure out, okay, how can they take that next step, and how can they become an activist? Well, you know what? I see the the Respect My Red program as a way to get more men involved because they can wear the T-shirts, they can, the wristbands, you know, different things that you're doing. I think that would be a way for men to feel more safe getting involved with this. Oh, yeah, they could totally you? send us, you know, a red selfie. We have a ton of girls mm-hmm. in red selfies, but we don't have a lot of guys yet. So, guys, please send us your red selfies. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think reaching out to maybe some national Greek Actually, organizations. Wait, back up. Tell, them, yeah. tell them how they can do that. How it was, I mean, you said send it. Where do they send it? Let's um, operationalize it. It's on the respectmyred.org website. Um, there is a tab that says Take Action, and if you go on that, you can click on a little drop-down menu that will say um, RMR or Red Selfies, and there will be a submit form there. So you just you know, take a selfie, color some parts of it red, and then you can upload it right there. We have a ton of examples and a few apps that we recommend using to make your selfies red. Awesome. Well, I'm going to do that today. I'm going to put a selfie on there. <laughs> And yeah, hopefully more men. I, I I just am so excited about this, and we need to keep getting the word out. Um, so, in a, anything you can, anything I can do to help you with that, all you have to do is ask. I mean, I I think this is a, a crucial issue around our our country, especially as we start going back to college. Do you do a lot during orientation time? We do. Actually, Randy, I'm about to speak in Tennessee, and um, I fly out in a day and a half, so we are doing a lot. And But I was just thinking about your challenge again, and, you know, let's hope that we can get lots of viewers making this, I don't want to say viral radio, but maybe <laughs> we can. Yeah. Because if all of a sudden a whole – so far what I see happening is we have a few national campaigns – uh, you know, Obama and some celebrity folks that are sending their fancy, fancy like photo shoots with their professional $10,000 photograph photographers mm-hmm. <laughs> to yeah. us, which is nice. I mean, they're out there, but I want to just see every human being doing a red selfie just because mm-hmm. it means I have claimed my right to be red. If every single yep. one of us said, I am going to do a red selfie, when the moment that we click send, upload, and publish that, I feel like we're publishing and owning. It's like voting. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. I'm voting for my right to be read. I'm voting for this awesome country. One good thing about America that's not true most other places in the world is we do have the right to be read. Most every mm-hmm. other country around the entire world still doesn't even have good laws pertaining to rape. So mm-hmm. let's spread the red. <laughs> Yeah. I <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, and and I totally agree. And and what it does, just doing that selfie, it's like you're no longer a bystander. Now you're on the field, and you're making that commitment to do that, which I just love. And I was just given the cue. We have one minute to wrap up, so I wanted to know: Do you have any closing thoughts? Um, again, I'm going to put your uh, web links on our site too, riseradioshow.com. Um, but what are what are the websites again that you want people to go to? Yep, here's, um, so takebackthenight.org, takebackthenight.org is where you can learn how to hold your own Take Back the Night event, just like Michelle said that she's done um, at her campuses and doing all over the city of New York at some of the colleges where she is, at Penn State where Amanda is. Taylor's about to go across the pond and hopefully hold one over there, so that's event planning. The Respect My Red campaign is respectmyred.org. That's where you can go and Great. get your red gear, get your red tattoos, get a red awesome. event to come to your school. Um, okay, I need to wrap this up. Learning portal that Katie, I'm, I'm, on, so respect my red Katie, I'm sorry. I, I'm going to have to wrap this. I just got the 10-second okay. cue. 
I want to thank you for coming on. I will definitely bring you guys back. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Next week, we're going to be talking to Sarah Shoup from University Parent uh, website to talk about things that we can do to help our kids stay safe when they go back to college. So Katie, Amanda, Taylor, Michelle, you guys are awesome. Keep up the good work. And anything that we can do here to support you, we are here. And uh, thank you for your time. We will definitely have you back. And this has been Rise Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the show and spread the word about Respect My Red. Thank you for tuning in to Rise Radio. Please join your host, Randy Havison, again next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until our next show, have a great week.